Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, for a surprise-ish review. Today I am reviewing Demonic, Neil Blomkamp's fourth movie. This is your host, Corbin. Now, Demonic came out last year. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But I wasn't quite expecting to do this one too soon. A lot of you may have seen the schedule. I was supposed to be doing the Kingsman trilogy. Um, But the reviews started rolling in for Kingsman 3. It wasn't great. It still is playing in theaters. And I thought... I think I can push that one back. The studios have pushed it back enough. Disney has no faith in it, it seems like. So I'm going to wait till that one hits rental services. Um, I'm going to give that one a little bit more time in the oven before I pull that out to review the Kingsman trilogy. But in the meantime, yeah, I'm reviewing Demonic, picking back up with this Blomkamp movie, the secret one that came out last year. We have reviewed the long camp three movies that have come out already with district nine elysium and chappie we did review oats studios volume one maybe we'll review the rest of um the i think he put out a volume two um i'm not quite sure but maybe we'll circle back to that someday but this is his fourth theatrical film it's been what like six years since chappie came out so it's been quite a while since his last movie And then after that, I'm going to be reviewing next week will be Cobra Kai season four. I've already reviewed seasons one through three, and we've reviewed all of the Karate Kid movies. Um, So I'll link those below. Check those out to get geared up for Cobra Kai season four, which um, as of this recording, I'm in the middle of, well, no, I'm actually towards the end of, and it is a lot of fun just to preview my thoughts. And then after that, I'll be jumping into the Die Hard movies. I've always been curious about those. I did watch the first one with my cousin, but I have not seen the rest, so I'm curious to jump into those, and I will be reviewing Uncharted as well. Cannot wait. I'm a huge Uncharted fan. So that's a little bit update. Um, The schedule has been shifted around a little bit going into 2022, hopefully not as much shifting as 2020 and 2021, but nevertheless, I will be getting to the Kingsman trilogy eventually. It's just being pushed off a little bit into the distance once the um, rental comes out. Then I feel like I can be a little bit more responsible and review that trilogy in good faith. So, but today we're here to talk about Demonic. And I don't know if any of you listeners have heard of this. It's one that I saw a Hollywood Reporter article pop up that said Neil Blomkamp filmed a secret movie. It's a secret horror movie. Um, I saw that at the end of 2020, didn't notice it at all last year. And as of right now, it is 99 cents to rent on iTunes and Prime Video, maybe on other rental platforms as well. So if you're really curious to check out this movie, um, this is the cheapest possible way for you to watch it. And it's a pretty safe barrier of entry, only 99 cents. So I rented it at home. I checked it out for 99 cents on iTunes. Um, speaking of iTunes, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a short written review. 
on iTunes or no matter where you're listening, we're on all the podcast platforms. So go ahead and check us out, share with your friends and family. Um, Timestamps in the description below if you're ready to jump in along some other great content, a ton of great content down in the description below. So check that out. So listeners, I know Blancamp is a name that has, you know, received some critical acclaim a long time ago when District 9 came out. And he really was this rising star working with, you know, Sigourney Weaver, Hugh Jackman, Matt Damon. I mean, he was really big time until Chappie came out and kind of people were very iffy on what this guy was going for. Um, I'm, I'm a Chappie proponent. I'm like one of the few that liked it. But eventually, he was. they were talking about giving him the reins to the Alien franchise. He was supposed to make an Alien sequel. He did release concept art until Ridley Scott put the kibosh on that and said, I'm not done with my franchise yet. Excuse me, Blomkamp. And he went back and he did Prometheus and then Alien Covenant. And we all know how that turned out. And then he was going to be given the reins to the RoboCop franchise and it was definitely going to be r-rated it was going to be a lot better than that you know kind of compromised vision we saw with the remake and robocop just kind of disappeared and then he's like you know what i'm going to do my own stuff i'm going to do this oat studios stuff and that was kind of a fun experiment but he was about to start shooting a film called The Inferno, which is kind of a sci-fi action thriller movie from what I understand. There's really no details on it. Taylor Kitsch was behind it. I really like Taylor Kitsch as an actor, by the way. But COVID knocked that back. So he did a project, according to The Hollywood Reporter, has always been something he's wanted to do. So that report came out December 8th, 2020, um, saying that he had secretly filmed in British Columbia a supernatural horror movie during the COVID pandemic. Believe it or not, listeners, I was seriously considering finding a way to put it onto last year's schedule, but it just wasn't feasible to fit a movie in that fast. And as we'll talk about here at the box office, it was only playing in 85 theaters until it went to on demand. So we could have rented it on demand. It wouldn't have been that hard to get a hold of. But nevertheless, it, it was such a hard thing to squeeze in there because this really was kind of a sleeper movie. They just put it out, pushed out. So IFC Midnight bought the rights to the film in the U.S. It was released in theaters August 20th, 2021, a week before being made available on video on demand. So I didn't watch the trailer uh, before this. I saw the poster for the film, which isn't that bad. I saw some still images and my pre-movie thoughts was this might be super scary. Maybe Blomkamp's trying to outdo The Exorcist. In fact, I, I was really thinking I might be in for something truly dark and terrifying. So I went ahead and watched the movie and then I went back and watched the trailer. And I thought this trailer wouldn't get me into theaters, but spoiler alert, it's a lot more of an exciting. The trailer portrays the film to be a lot more exciting than the actual movie is and the trailer is a lot better put together than the movie is and maybe that's just because you know it's pretty hard to edit probably during the pandemic and do a lot of the shooting as we'll talk about here in the review coming up but this trailer is exciting but i don't feel like it's an accurate representation of the movie so this is Blancamp's shortest movie it is rated r once again following in his rated r tradition Brace yourselves, listeners, for these scores. It has a 1.9 on Letterboxd, a 4.2 on IMDb, 
a 36 on Metascore, 15% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 17% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes as well. Needless to say, this is his lowest scoring film across the board by far. These are absolutely abysmal scores. Once I saw that, I was really troubled. So for its opening weekend gross, it only grossed $40,000, came in 25th at the box office. Now, keep in mind, all of his movies have had low opening weekends, nothing this low. It was limited release, though, so we can forgive him for that. All of his movies have been number one at the box office opening weekend, save for this. And they've all had, you know, they've all opened in over 3,000 theaters. But this movie domestically only grows 71,000. Foreign markets, 262,000 for a worldwide total of $333.9,000. No, not million, thousand dollars. So all of his movies have been fairly low grossing-ish. Um, with Elysium getting close to 300 million worldwide, which, which is really good. Um, you know, I'm not trying to downplay that whatsoever, but his movies have never been great. Chappie was $31.5 million domestically grossing. So American audiences at the least don't really jive with really any of his movies. Um, so this did terrible at the box office. What was playing that weekend? You may ask. Well, Paw Patrol the movie came out that weekend. It opened at number two. Free Guy was dominating at number one. Jungle Cruise in its fourth week came in at number three. Don't Breathe 2 was at number four. And Respect was at number five. The Protégé also opened that weekend. That's another 99 cent rental I just got and I couldn't finish the movie. It wasn't any good at all. It's bad. Do not check out The Protégé. Um, the Night House came out also at number eight. Um, Reminiscence opened that weekend at number nine. I watched that one on HBO Max and I thought it was really bad as well. So just kind of a bad weekend for movies, unless you were checking out Free Guy. I enjoy Jungle Cruise. Um, if I didn't mention it, Suicide Squad came in at number six. Um, and that had already been out for three weeks. Well, listeners, without further to do, if you have not seen Demonic and you don't want the film spoiled for you, like I said, it is available for rent very cheap right now. Go ahead and check it out and then come back and click play right here and we'll be ready to talk about it. So let's start off positive. I like the setting for the opening of the movie. It's kind of cheesy and I'm worried our main actress won't be good. Now, the main actress, um, she has previously worked with Bomb Camp. Her name is Carly Pope. She was a CCB agent in Elysium, and she was in other Oat Studio projects. Natalie Bolt, who has succeeded with Riverdale fame, she was in District 9. So he did know these people already. Apparently, they're Canadians, so they're all kind of up there together, um, easily able to kind of go shoot a movie. And this doesn't have a big location. It's all somewhat isolated in its setting. But I do like the setting. It keeps kind of coming back to this weird, you know, hotel. It feels like it's in the Swiss Alps, like we're about to watch The Sound of Music, but it's not. Um, it's a good setting. It doesn't quite seem like the same setting later on in the movie. So I'm, I'm confused when they go to it in the real world. Um, also, Blomkamp's flair for the technical imagination is here. For instance, uh, meeting the mom in a virtual space in her mind 
that is a unique take on the horror. I feel like that is somewhat the case. I'm kind of blending almost a video game world with the horror world and able to interact with a comatose patient that day. So Blomkamp, you know, we, we've seen that with a lot of his stuff is very cerebral with that. It's not terribly creative here, but nevertheless, he does bring some imagination to it. It is unbelievable that um, our lead unquestionably goes along with this stuff, um, doesn't question anything until at the very end. Also, this virtual world actually looks pretty good. It looks semi-rotoscoped, which I did like. Um, also, the dream scenes capture the feeling of Blair Witch. There is this like raw, truly kind of found footage, like you're really up in the hills with them with these flashlights. It's very dark and spooky. Um, unfortunately, those are only a couple scenes in the movie, really short ones too. Uh, but the abandoned lodge in the woods, as I already mentioned, is a great set piece that, that they do come back to. Unfortunately, that's where my positives run out. The hook for this movie is poor and the establishment is almost non-existent. You can tell they filmed this during COVID. It's weird. It feels almost Twilight Zone-esque in that sense. There's like nobody around. Um... There's just one or two people. There's no cars in the background driving around. Um, the sound mixing is pretty poor. It took me almost back to those Birdemic review that we did. Um, there is some underlying mood music throughout the movie, but it's about the same thing. It's terribly unoriginal. The lack of an actual score makes this movie just feel weird. It makes it feel really cheap as well. Um, there's like also heightened real world noises like the crunching of leaves that just make it feel like they just don't have the proper sound equipment and they probably don't honestly to tone some of this stuff down um but kind of coming back to what i mentioned earlier about inventiveness you have to realize listeners this is pretty much a ripoff of flatliners with a mix of inception because she goes into this virtual cerebral world where their brains are connected and they kind of find find out these dark things about the past and it's a mother-daughter relationship, kind of we saw a father-son relationship and in Inception trying to figure all of this out and change things, but it has a demonic supernatural twist. Um, of course, it's no surprise that the mom is possessed by a demon and, you know, Carly and well, her name, not Carly, but, you know, the main character is so upset and disturbed by that. She thinks her mom's just a psycho out of the blue, but she's not. Um, I also want to circle back to the opening real quick. The opening is so bland. Um, it feels like that Jacob's Ladder 2019 remake that Alan and I reviewed. I'll link to that below as well. It's so cheap. It feels so cheap. You know, the acting is really wooden as well. Um, it, it also feels like COVID did force them to shoot only outside or inside abandoned buildings. It just feels like no one else is in this world. Um, the writing is bad. There is a hilarious scene, a flashback scene where the main actress wears a wig to make herself look 20 years younger. I found that to be pretty funny. Um, Blanca apparently doesn't understand Christianity very well also because he thinks only Catholics believe demons are real. This is when the film gets absolutely hilarious because, you know, so far we've had this really kind of bland, slow take on this daughter slowly figuring out that there's this demon that has taken the shape of a crow 
like a mutilated crow. It's kind of goofy, honestly, this guy walking around in this big costume. But her friend, of course, we have to have the research scene, has figured everything out. And in fact, the Vatican has been funding black ops priests to hunt demons. This is stupid as can be. Also, I should note, all of Christendom believes that demons are real. They believe the devil is real. We believe angels are real. Um, her friend thinks the doctors are priests also, which I found to be absolutely hilarious. Um, and the priest warriors, you know, they have like these crosses like burned into their back and they have like these tattoos of crosses like they're John Wick or something. These priest warriors go out in such a punk way off screen, which just shows they just didn't have the budget for this. They're already, all of them are already dead. And the main one, the, the main bad guy who's a bald, this bald guy, he gets taken over by the demon and they have this big fight at the end. Um, honestly, I was thinking towards the end, this plot is probably something Dario Argento would have came up with a la Mother of Tears. Alan and I reviewed that one and that it felt like, um, whatever that's called, a Lionsgate, you know, unfiltered, whatever it's called. I don't remember what those, what those ones are called, those edgier Lionsgate films or, uh, twisted pictures, whatever it is. But even the ending of this movie is so lame. The way she defeats the demon is the demon can just body hop whenever it wants, which is utterly ridiculous. She stabs herself with a special ancient Christian knife, like we're in the omen all of a sudden. And the demon dies, and the demon just screams to the heavens and catches on fire. But she recovers in a hospital. Uh, her friend dies off screen, gets blown up after they spend this whole long sequence trying to track her down and save her. Um, she goes to the friend's grave with this pretty happy smile on her face, which I thought was totally inappropriate. And she lays flowers at the grave, walks to her car and the end. And it kind of has this like hype music, like she's so awesome and she just overcame such this great thing. And oh yeah, if you're wondering what happens to the mom, well, the mom just stays in her dream world subconscious and just dies. She doesn't even get to save the mom. Um, it's not like a very happy ending. It's not a very satisfying ending either to have these people die. It's overall just fairly disappointing that what is seemingly set up in act one doesn't feel like it's quite paid off in act three where the mother and daughter do get a reconciliation scene, but you want to see the mom reconciled. You want to see her saved. Um, a lot of this stuff just comes out of the blue. It, it really is hard to get through i will say um even though it's the shortest film it's an hour and 44 minutes there's no way in the world this should have been that long there are so many elongated shots i think the only like actually scary shot aside from the opening which you know was kind of keeping me on my toes is when her friend comes over at three in the morning and puts on a bird mask and walks backwards like the exorcist and chases around the house that was that was pretty well done but overall listeners <sighs> Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Blomkamp once showed great promise, even receiving an Oscar nomination for his first feature film. He won all kinds of acclaim for that. Even his socialist-inspired second film grossed a quarter of a billion dollars at the box office. I'm in the minority of liking Chappie. His Oat Studios was a unique collection of shorts, but this? Why? I get it. We were all bored during the pandemic, but this is an original schlock. Cliche as can be, not scary in the slightest. This is the kind of movie that will tank a director's career. 
If he had dreams of one day taking over Alien or the Robocop franchise, he can kiss those dreams goodbye. I'm shocked how bad this is, considering other horror films like Halloween, Black Christmas, even Silent House, which I didn't even think was that great. You know, even some of the Mike Flanagan's earlier stuff when he was starting out, just to name a few, were done on a shoestring budget, but were truly terrifying. Don't waste your time on this one, listeners. Demonic receives one star out of ten, with my strongest not recommend. And we're starting the year off right, apparently, with a piece of garbage. I guess it wouldn't be January without reviewing a piece of trash. So it is no surprise that I will never add this one to my collection. I currently have the Camp trilogy, if you want to call it, on Blu-ray. I'm fine with that. I think those movies are fun, even though I have serious issues with the message of Elysium. But... I've reviewed those. Go listen to my thoughts on those. But I do have some recommendations. Instead of watching this one, I highly recommend you check these out. The first one, of course, is going to be the original Flatliners. The sequel to the, not the sequel, the remake of Flatliners um, is actually better than this movie, but it's still pretty bad. The original is uh, pretty good. A Joel Schumacher film, very atmospheric. I'm also going to be recommending James Wan's Malignant. Now, this is... Much more promising to me. I know some people hated that movie. This is much more promising to me. This is a original James Wan horror movie that is really bizarre. Some people have described it as a Jallo film. Uh, just go check it out. It's it's too weird to be believed. Almost. I'm also going to be recommending Paranormal Activity, the very first one. That film really did take people by storm for a reason. Has become wildly popular. I'm also going to be recommending, as I already said, Silent House with Elizabeth Olsen. That's right, Scarlet Witch herself is in that movie. That film is fascinating in many different ways. I don't think it's great, maybe not necessarily even good, but it's still worth checking out if you want something unsettling um, with some good cinematography. And my final recommendation is Undone, which is an Amazon Prime original series. I believe it's actually free to watch right now on IMDb TV. Um, Undone is kind of this weird science fiction show. Um, definitely check that one out. Some great actors, a great story. And the reason I'm recommending that is because the visual effects animation in this reminded me of Undone. Undone's better though. So future developments, he's supposedly still going to do the movie Inferno. Apparently he's going to be doing another movie called The Gone World, but the biggest piece of news to come out is that Blomkamp is returning for District 10, the sequel to District 9 that I don't think anybody wanted necessarily or anybody was ever expecting. But District 10, I gotta say, of all the three, that's the one I'm going to check out. I'm, I'm excited for that one. I could probably care less about the other two. I don't trust his trailers anymore. And after seeing this movie, I'm, I'm very worried with what he can actually do as far as a coherent film goes. I, I mean, it, it is shocking, listeners. But the question after the show is, after seeing this one, will you still go see Neil Blomkamp's next movie? I think a lot of people would say no, and I don't blame them for that. I mean, if, if it wasn't for these reviews that I got myself into, I wouldn't be going to see them. I'm definitely probably going to be skipping them at the theaters, at the very least but probably checking them out for a cheap rental just like this one. But listeners, maybe you like that. I know 
like 12 reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes gave this one a positive rating. Some people did think this was good. Maybe you did. And I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts? Why did you like this movie? I'm curious. So let's start a conversation about that. Go ahead and email me at silverscreenguide95 at gmail.com. Curious to read some of your answers, listeners. Let's delve into this together. So next week, I will be back with Cobra Kai season four review. Excited to bring you that review. Then I'm definitely very excited to be jumping into what many people believe to be one of the I don't know. I'm not going to say greatest, but I'm going to say some of the most fun franchise uh, die hard. And even though Christmas has come to an end, we are going to be keeping Christmas in our hearts with the die hard franchise. Curious to see where that will take us. Um, I have seen the very latest die hard film. Saw that in IMAX with my dad. I'm going to save that one. Listeners, you're going to have to wait a couple weeks to know my thoughts on what I thought of that final film and if we'll ever get another one i'm curious so thank you for coming along with me if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast go ahead and click subscribe go ahead and share with your friends and family we love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you so we will see you next week with cobra kai listeners Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.